The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Writing Excuses, episode 21. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. This week we're discussing humor. Specifically, we want to talk about how to make people laugh. Um, we want to focus this in for writers, talking about things that will be useful for writers. So we're going to try and not just describe humor, but focus on how we can help the writer, writers that are listening write humor. And we're going to go to Howard first. Howard, how do you write humor? I write things that make me laugh and hope that other people have the same sort of sense of humor. And then I go back and look at them and take them apart and try and figure out why I laughed. Okay. And often from there, I'm able to refine my punchlines. Okay. A lot of a lot of the a lot of what I do is punchline based. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a sitcom. It's not a funny situation. Oh, look at that! They walked in on him when he was in the bathroom. Yeah. It's it, it it's dialogue based. It's it is a punchline because okay. I'm writing a comic strip. Right, and you use beats. One, two, bam. One, two, exactly. bam. Exactly. Um, Dan, how do you write humor? How do I, I, I tend to write uh, very dark humor. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise, the yeah. horror writer writes dark humor. And a lot of that is, uh, is humorous because it is audacious, which goes um, to the, I mean, audacious in the sense that, holy crap, did he really just say that kind okay. of audacious. Yeah. Um, which goes to the, the core principle that I think a lot of humor is funny because it is, so it surprises us. Okay. All right. Surprising. Um, and I'll mention, a lot of people don't know this, um, your, what was it, your second book, your third book, third. Unpublished, mm-hmm. um, was, I think, one of the most brilliant humor, humor novels I've ever read. Um, Thank you. Still looking for But a, it was supposed to be horror? Point. Is that No, the... no, it was a dark horror comedy. It was okay. flat out mm-hmm. a comedy. Um, I think and, we've talked about it in the podcast yeah, before. Yeah, The Night of Blacker Was darkness. that the one with the vampire bunnies? Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, Did those I, stay in the book? The vampire bunnies are still in, but they are no longer a major plot point. Okay. And I, I don't believe, did Jane Austen say? Anyway. Jane Austen's <laughs> still there. <laughs> um, um, I write humor, um, generally I base it off of a character, a character's voice. Um, my humor series is the Alcatraz vs. the Evil Librarian series, and the driving force of the humor in those books is the voice of a single character who is writing this sort of sarcastic, um, in-your-face sort of humor. Um, let's, let's step back from this just one minute. I want to say, why do we write humor? Um, I've often lo- looked at humor, and I look at humor books the, the same way that I actually look, um, look at fantasy, um, with the why not. Um, if you're going to, you know, with the, in a fantasy book, you can do everything you could do in another novel, 
Plus, you can have dragons. So why not? You can do you can do the romance. You can do the mystery. You can well, do all this stuff. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna say that you write humor not because you necessarily want to write a humor book uh -huh. in the same way you write a fantasy book. You write humor because if you are writing something uh, that has that is supposed to be evocative of emotion, yeah. humor is one of the things that you have okay. to evoke. Make mm -hmm. people laugh. Make people cry. Make mm -hmm. people scared. Make people excited. You know, the reader has to emote as they are okay. reading your book, and humor is one of those pieces. That's a, that's a really good point, because um, I think the best the best stories often have a humor element. Almost always have a humorous element, no matter you know whether it's a drama or what, whatever it is, there's a humorous element. So you don't have to actually write a comedy piece to, be, to, to want yeah. to yeah. study why people laugh. So, Dan, why? Why do you put humor in your books? Well, you know, I, I think Howard already kind of answered this in his opening introduction. He writes things that he thinks are funny and hopes everyone else does, which I think is also the answer to this question. Mm -hmm. I write humor into my books because I think it's funny. Though I, I would say... <laughs> I thought it would be funny to put humor in a scary book. Um, your books need the humor. They do. In, in, uh, in this particular series especially, it's, yeah. about a, it's from the first-person point of view of a serial killer. Yeah. A 15-year-old sociopath. And if... If he didn't make you laugh, he would not be personable enough yeah. for the reader to identify with him. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to identify with someone who can't really identify back. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, kind of the, the, the main well, problem of sociopathic main character. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, Larry Niven said in Ringworld, uh, one, I say he said, one of his right. characters says, humor is an interrupted defense mechanism. Yeah. And I have thought about this time and time and time again. There are situations in which, I don't want to say all humor is this way, but there are situations in which you laugh because the alternative is to shriek in terror or to cry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that can, be, that can be as simple as a pun. Mm -hmm. Puns, well, okay, so people will argue they're not funny, right. but a pun is a corruption of language. Especially branded stuff. What? <laughs> Mine are great. Language, language is important to us, and when someone starts monkeying around with the communication and changing the meaning of words, you have yeah. two options. You get angry, or you, know, you, you stop understanding them, or mm -hmm. you laugh. <laughs> oh, you made a pun, how, how droll. Well, yeah. you know, this kind of actually brings up two concepts I've talked about a lot before, which is fulfilling on promises. Um, one, one of the concepts is this. Writing is about making promises and then fulfilling them. And humor is you fulfill them in an unexpected way that's just so out there that it makes people laugh a lot of the time. Um, and well, and I'll argue that your humor is when you break a promise in such a way yeah. that you can point back and say, no, I really fulfilled that promise and mm -hmm. you know it. Mm -hmm. You just were telling yourself a different story. Yeah. You know, we, we used the phrase when we were talking about plot twists a few weeks ago, surprising but inevitable. And I think that yeah. applies to humor just as much. Well, that was the other much. thing that I was going to mention. I said two things. Go on with it. Yeah. Well, now you've destroyed my train of thought. Oh. Uh, yeah. Surprising but inevitable. You know, you have to... A, a, a joke is often funny because you didn't see it coming, but those only work if you've set it up properly. You know, you can see it coming. Right. You can trace it back in hindsight and go, oh, that makes sense but I wasn't expecting it. Well, and one of the other big things I often talk about with writing, particularly fantasy, is the concept that great fantasy is that fantasy that walks the line between the original and the familiar. Great stories, even great pitches, great concepts, are the strange attractor, something familiar, mm -hmm. something original. Humor is that same concept. Most of what makes me laugh is there's a familiar element to it, 
and a, a completely original element. I'll give an example. I think the best person writing humor in any genre right now is Terry Pratchett, um, personally. Um, that I, I think he's my favorite. One of his great metaphors um, in one of his books was talked about a character who was doing something completely unnatural to him. He was you know, trying to act like a good man or act like a leader. I can't remember it was, what it was, but the phrase that came after it said, it was kind of like a dog trying to play a trombone. And the dog mixed with the trombone and applying that metaphor to this man who was trying to do something, you know, that's normal and familiar, that juxtaposition made me just burst out laughing. Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams and I had another name on the tip of my tongue, but I've forgotten it, uh, did, a, did a brilliant job in their writings, do a brilliant job in, in yeah. uh, Terry's case, uh, of writing descriptions in which the narrator is telling the joke right. by describing something using words that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. I remember mm -hmm. in Douglas Adams, um, I think it might have been Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul, when he describes uh, one of the Norse gods. Uh, Norse god moves his arm mm -hmm. and uh, his muscles flex like parking Volkswagens. <laughs> <laughs> and I, re I remember reading that and thinking that's Okay, those are the biceps of a god. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, it made me laugh. Ooh. That style where you have the narrator tell a joke yeah. is fairly common. Oh, I remember the third guy I was going to mention. Bob Defendi, our friend Bob, has written a... a <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, he's going to be podcasting that, right? He's going to be we'll podcasting that. that book, and we'll plug it when it's available. Yeah. Okay. This week's Writing Excuses Book of the Week is my book. Uh, Mistborn 2 is now out in paperback, uh, and Mistborn 1 just got re-released in a special 4.99 edition with a brand new gorgeous cover. Find them both in bookstores anywhere. Very nice. I just wanted to point out one of my other favorite metaphors slash uses of, of humor was also Douglas Adams in the very first Hitchhiker's book that the uh, Vogon ships hung in the sky exactly the way that bricks don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> that is a perfect way Jordan. of saying that. We, we made our tech monkey laugh. Um, you know, that, that, yeah, I read that book as a kid, and I mean, almost that phrase by itself said, I need to be a writer one day. Okay. I want here's, to know how to use language to like this. with that. Uh, we've all seen, we, most of us have seen, the Hitchhiker's movie. In the Hitchhiker's movie, you have these giant brick-shaped chips hovering in the air, and that element of comedy is completely missing mm -hmm. because there is no narrator to hand you that description. Okay, and so, so, so that yeah. style of telling yeah. the joke has an inherent weakness. Oh, a lot of the, the joke telling in books does not translate to film very well at all. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think we need to bring up for our writers. Um, writing humor is very different than performing humor. Very different. Yes. Um, uh, examples of this are the Hitchhiker's movie, also the Lemony Snicket movie. Um, which yes. I actually enjoyed quite a bit, but they could not bring the humor to the screen, and they knew that, and so they approached it from a different way. Yeah. Um, we're working on a, a movie of Alcatraz, um, and they are approaching the humor in a completely different way, keeping a lot of some of the same things, but the narrative, the voice, narrative voice is missing. Yeah. So how do our writing, our, our listeners, how do they write humor? What do they, got, do they have to know about writing humor that's different? from just what they see on the screen or what they interact, how they interact with other people. Douglas Adams attempted to uh, itemize the, the things, the, the elements yeah. that are critical to humor. Uh, I've got this list here in front of me. He says that you need to hit at least two out of six of these okay. when you're telling a joke. And they are cute, naughty, bizarre, clever, recognizable, and cruel. 
Okay. He said the best that he ever does is about three out of six when Dogbert, who is cute, um, is doing something mean to an employee, which is cruel, and it's happening in the workplace, which makes it recognizable. Okay, did he, you say Douglas Adams? Did I say Douglas you did, Adams? I meant but Scott I think you Adams. Mean yeah. Adams. Mm -hmm. Oh dear. Um, and there's no We're time to go back and edit that. Which we'll stop, <laughs> start again. We're only ten minutes in. Um, and then he went on to say that uh, uh, now I'm going to Bill Watterson, who draws uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Mm -hmm. Um, you sure that's Terry hit. Pratchett? Oh, Stop it! <laughs> You're hurting me! And Bill Gates, um, I think. No! Bill Watterson, who draws Calvin and Hobbes, would knock them out of the park regularly, hitting six out of seven, when Calvin and Hobbes are riding downhill on a wagon, waxing philosophical about things, and Calvin has pushed the wagon without Hobbes being ready, and they're having a, you know, a perilous ride down the hill, and he hits cute, naughty, bizarre, clever, recognizable, and cruel all in one go. Which is why, yeah, you know, he's, he's a genius. genius. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The challenge with this list is that it allows you to analyze a good joke and analyze a bad joke, but I don't know that it allows you to write a good joke from whole cloth. Uh -huh. I think it allows you to look back at what you've done and say, okay, why am I laughing at this? Or more importantly, why am I not laughing? What element is yeah. missing? Trial and error, I think, you know, we talk about it a lot. I am, um, during the early days when I was trying to break in, I think Dan may have actually read this book. I wrote a book um, trying to write a humor novel. It was a humorous fantasy. Um, I was shooting for the Douglas Adams, um, more like, more like the, um, the, the Terry Pratchett sort of style. Okay. Um, and I completely misfired. Um, the problem being, people actually would read this and laugh if they knew me because they could hear me delivering the jokes and I was delivering jokes that were in-person type jokes that didn't work on the page. And I look at Alcatraz and that works for a lot of people and I'm, the way that I changed is I made the humor text-based rather than my personality-based. Yeah. Um, well, and the personality-based humor will work as long as you transpose that yeah. from yourself to a character a who now has, or a right. narrator, which mm -hmm. is another thing. If I the did. character yeah. has his own voice yeah. and is now delivering that material with a voice that the readers have become familiar with, yep. you can tell a joke. Right, that way. and I, yeah. I, I get a lot of mileage off that in the Alcatraz books because I establish a narrator who has a distinct character, actually different from the same character that he was five years ago when he was actually right. doing these things. The narrator has a distinct voice, and we play off of that. Um, Dan, advice. How do you? How do people do this? Do you have any suggestions? Um, okay, I'm going to recommend and and that uh, that you go and you watch some of the uh, monologues on the talk shows at night, and you watch Leno or you watch Letterman or you watch any of the others, and it is you know a straw man. Let's put him up and knock him down. Put him up, knock him down. Just one liners, yeah. one after another. Then watch Craig Ferguson who does the best monologue on TV, hands down. By far. And it's a good 15 minutes long. It uh, is not just joke, 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 solitary. They connect to each other. He will set up a joke early on and then pay it off way later. Mm -hmm. um, and so advice, go watch that. Analyze the difference between how he does it and how the others do it. And, uh, and pay attention. I mean, yes, he's a funny performer, but it's also yeah. a lot of just the words themselves and the preparation that he puts into I it. I think that preparation is um, an extremely important thing to mention. The best jokes are the ones you lay a foundation for, and then you hit them. Um, and I think 
that that's something missing. You know, it's, it's, it goes back to actually the concept of foreshadowing. You foreshadow your jokes in the same way you foreshadow plot twists and whatnot. And um, I have some that pull off in Alcatraz that work because I start them early and I keep them rolling. And it, in the second book, it's not out yet, but I've got a character who, um, who swears by different types of nuts. He'll go, oh, fig nuts. Um, or he'll go, oh, walnuts. He'll go this and that. Well, the last one he uses, Rocky Mountain Oysters. Nice. <laughs> and every person who's read that has burst out laughing, and it's a setup. As soon as you said fig nuts, yeah. I thought, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> but that's because it's, yeah. I know the beat, beat, mm -hmm. beat puns. Yeah. I know how to set something like right. this Well, up. and beyond that, you have to pay attention and notice, oh, wait, he's making, he's cursing by nuts every time. Yeah. And then it goes, and anyway. Um, we're going to have to can of worms on other types of humor. We're going to have to talk about humor more, maybe different types of humor, um, talking about non sequiturs versus puns and why they work. And probably we'll have to can of worms also do another podcast um, eventually based on how to write humor without losing character or plot. Yeah. Um, because personally, I think that Pratchett is superior to Douglas Adams for this reason. And I want to talk about that in the podcast because Douglas Adams and Pratchett usually make me laugh the same amount, but Pratchett makes me care too. Um, but we're out of time for this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Writing Excuses. Oh, nuts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Writing prompt us. Come on, Howard. Okay. Here's a, here's a writing prompt, and this is, this is going to be kind of tough. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to try and write something funny in which profanity, expletives, the hardest profanity you can think of would be completely appropriate, but it doesn't happen. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.